The chapel service today focuses on the gift of reconciliation. The scripture lesson that undergirds this reflection is from Jeremiah chapter 29, beginning at the 11th verse. For surely I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, plans for your welfare and not for harm, to give you a future with hope. Then when you call upon me and come and pray to me, I will hear you. When you search for me, you will find me, if you seek me with all your heart. Here ends the reading. When Pastor Scott asked if I would speak in chapel, I told him it scared me, but I was excited to participate. I tried to take something on that's new each year for Lent, and this is a big one for me. I grew up attending Christ Lutheran Church in Long Beach. My parents met there, my grandparents attended there, and I spent many evenings and weekends there growing up. In short, Christ Lutheran was like home to me. In the seventh grade, I started participating in a junior high youth group. It started out as a small group. We'd meet on Sundays in the basement and attend annual youth gathering events in the area, but it didn't go beyond that very much. However, when I reached high school, the youth group changed. A family with two daughters, one a few years older than me and one a few years younger, got actively involved. Their mother, Pam Wildey, became the de facto leader of the group. Pam was warm and welcoming and made everyone feel included. She also inspired some of her girls' friends to attend. These friends came from very different families than the one I had grown up in. I grew up in a family where dinner was eaten together every night around the table, where I never had to worry about what I would wear or what I might wake up to the next day. I felt safe and loved at home. These new friends had very different family lives and never had been to church on a regular basis. Pam would pick up anyone who needed a ride on Sundays or any day there was an activity in her teal minivan. She provided stability, she was nurturing, and she freely gave her love to everyone in the group, including me. Our group grew in strength in numbers over the years. We went camping together, we did service work together, and we had fundraisers to pay for our travels to youth events across the country. This group became a core part of my life and shaped my entire high school experience. In early 2001, Pam Wildey was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. The diagnosis was bleak, and very much like today, there was little doctors could do to help her. On the morning of Monday, September 10th, 2001, my mother received a phone call from someone at church. Pam had succumbed to cancer. On the morning of Tuesday, September 11th, I don't need to tell you how the world changed for all of us. It was the first week of my senior year of high school. I was not prepared to deal with either event. During that time, someone said a phrase that truly shook me to the core, maybe even broke something. Everything happens for a reason. I know those words were meant with good intent, and I know that perhaps they were meant to provide comfort. But honestly, for a reason, 
This mother, this caretaker, this amazing woman was ripped away from her children and those that depend on her for a reason. Thousands of families torn apart, the country now lived in fear for a reason. How could I believe in a God that allowed that to happen? How could you, God? Why did you let this happen? Where were you? The youth group began to drift apart. Many of the kids were older than me and had stopped coming together after Pan died. I still came most Sundays, mostly because of my family, and it's just what we do. I had so many questions and so much anger. I, I chose to shut the door on God. He wasn't there when I needed him, and I decided I didn't need him anymore. I began to see church as just a social tool that we create to give our lives meaning and order. I looked at it very clinically. I still loved the people in my congregation, but truly questioned what good religion was for. I thought I had understood the world, what was fair, what was right. My entire, my entire paradigm had shifted. I didn't really talk about the silence of God with anyone. It was an anger and frustration I wanted to carry on my own. In September 2002, almost exactly a year later, in spite of all of this, I began my freshman year at CLU. I moved into my room in Peterson Hall and was away from my family, my boyfriend, who would later become my husband, and everything familiar to me for the very first time. It was really scary. I had applied for a job on campus, and I was told I would likely not be hired as I did not meet the work-study requirements. I needed that job. In the past, I would have prayed, but I had closed that door. I came to one of the first chapel services of the year. I think my peer group might have been required to go. I didn't mind. I was interested to see what it would be like, but was not expecting much. So I was here in this very room, listening to someone speak from this very pulpit. The speaker that day referenced the book, Why Bad Things Happen to Good People by Rabbi Harold Kushner. That book changed my perspective on religion to the core. The essential takeaway for me was that God did not make bad things happen to good people or to bad people for that matter. Bad things happen because we've been given the awesome gift of free will for better or for worse. We live in a world where a drunk driver can take an innocent life, where people can do terrible, awful things to one another and where people die from diseases like cancer. But in that suffering, God mourns with us. God is with us in our pain and anguish. And most importantly for me, he does not wish anyone harm. I so needed to hear those words. I decided it was time to open the door. I prefer to pray alone. So I waited until later in the day. I was walking through Kingsman Park on the way to my dorm, and I prayed for the first time in over a year. God, are you there? And in a still, small voice, I am. Not an actual voice inside my head, but an undeniable and overwhelming sense of God's presence there with me. It was a moment of perfect peace. To be 
reconcile can mean the restoration of friendly relations, reuniting or bringing together again. But more importantly to me, to be reconciled means the action of making one view or belief compatible with another. I have reconciled my faith, and here's what it means to me today. I believe in a God that loves me, loves us, unconditionally. I believe in a God that wants us to prosper and does not wish us harm. I believe in a God that allows me to question and doubt and to ask, why? I do not believe that everything happens for a reason, but I do believe that God is with us in everything. I know I'm not perfect. I've come to understand that I will never be able to reciprocate the love that God showers down upon me. I get distracted. I become unfocused and I stumble. I forget to ask God to be with me until I'm scared or feel beaten down. But without fail, every single time, when I remember to ask, Mother and God is there waiting with open arms, ready to draw me into her embrace. Then you will call on me and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. Seek the God that loves you with all your heart, and may the peace and love that surpasses all understanding be with you all. Amen.